This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, A People's History. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, A People's History premieres May 9th, streaming on Hulu. It's just about summer, and we hope that means you're in for a future filled with sunshine, vacations, downtime with friends, and of course, summer entertainment. I'm Stephen Thompson, and today on NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour, we offer up a guide to some of the most exciting TV, movies, and music you can check out this summer. Joining me are all of my fellow Pop Culture Happy Hour hosts, Aisha Harris. Hey, Aisha. Pew, 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 pew. We are here. (laughs) Glenn Weldon. Hey, pal. It's good to have you, Linda Holmes. Hello, my friends. Now, right off the bat, we have a major milestone to celebrate. The four of us are sitting in historic Studio 44 at NPR headquarters in D.C. together in person for the very first time. Uh Yay! Accurate, accurate. We're all just breathing all over each other. (laughs) I'm just taking this opportunity to like, every time Stephen breathes out, I breathe in. (laughs) Give me... Give me those droplets, baby. I am happy. This is uh, unsettling for me. Could we just do this on Zoom as well? (laughs) Just so it's a little more comfortable. I've just enjoyed getting to hear Aisha Harris test a microphone for the first time. Wasn't that fun? That's right. How how are you feeling about this? Do you feel like now you see what you've gotten yourself into now that you're (laughs) in a room with all of us? Oh, it feels so good. It feels as though I was always here and and never left. (laughs) Well, we are here to record our summer guide. Mm -hmm. We've each brought two things to highlight that are hopefully coming up this summer. Obviously, some release dates are bound to be in flux. We made our picks based on the ironclad hope that all of these works will be available sometime between now and the end of summer. Aisha Harris, you are up first. Give us your first pick. Ooh. So if you know anything about me, and if you have listened to this show long enough, you know how much I am just not into IP. Uh Too Mm -hmm. much IP, too much intellectual property. I'm over it. And Barbie, really? Like, (laughs) we're going to make a movie about Barbie? And yet. And yet. And and yet. yet. Director is Greta Gerwig. She co-wrote it with her uh, partner, Noah Baumbach. And I feel as though I am going to get an IP that is actually really freaking good. Like, (laughs) Greta Gerwig has the bona fides that I am looking for. She's directed one of my absolute favorite movies of the last few mm-hmm. years and then another movie that I really, really loved and admired and she put a great spin on it. And that's Lady Bird, which is just such a fantastic film, a coming of age story and Little Women, mm-hmm. which, you know, we've seen many, many times mm-hmm. on screen and in other adaptations, <laughs> but she made it different. She made it alive. And so this is why I am so stoked for it. The other reason I'm stoked for it is the fact that this cast is just kind of insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, Margot Robbie as Barbie, Ryan Gosling as Ken, and then there's many other Barbies and many other Kens. Uh Uh, You have Issa Rae, Kate McKinnon, Michael Sarah pops up, Will Ferrell. I'm optimistic. I am hugely excited about. (laughs) I am hugely excited about Barbie is not necessarily a (laughs) phrase I expected to be uttering, but I share your intense love of Lady Bird and Little Women. And I love the fact that every frame that has been released of this movie so far is already a meme. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So (laughs) 
that I think that kind of care is being put into it, and I'm very excited about that. Yeah, and when the trailer came out, there were people saying, I can't understand what's going on in this movie. And clearly what's going on in this movie is there's kids playing with Barbies, and we're seeing what they're creating out of that. That's my prediction, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I love the aesthetic of it. Mm-hmm. I, I love the look of it from the trailer. I think that, you know, Greta Gerwig is somebody who certainly knows how to kind of pay attention to every detail. I am a little bit worried about that question of like, what is it about? Well, well, no, apparently, at least per Variety, this uh, fantasy comedy follows the world's most famous doll who sets off for the human world to find true happiness after being expelled from Barbie land for being less than perfect. Okay, well, that's a plot. All right. Well, that's that's, that's definitely a plot. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm excited about this, too. I just want to stare at the clothes all day. I think Ryan Gosling has a wonderful sense of humor about himself, as Margot Robbie does about herself. He has Kennedy as he's... Oh, good lord. (laughs) Okay, for the record, he's the one who said this. (laughs) I think it's Greta Gerwig. She's not going to make it not about anything. And in the same way that we were worried that the Lego movie was going to just be a Lego ad, but Mm. then it was awesome. Yep. I'm confident that in the hands of Greta Gerwig, this will be too. Yeah. I think the Lego movie is a great comparison. That's exactly what I was thinking of. And I hope that's what it turns out to be. Mm -hmm. So that is Barbie. It's out in theaters on July 21st, 2023. Cannot wait. Linda Holmes, give us your first pick. Well, I am very excited to be recommending American Born Chinese, which is coming out on Disney Plus on May 24th. This is an eight-episode adaptation of a graphic novel by Jean Luen Yang, and it's about a kid whose life is turned upside down because he becomes friends with a kid who is the son of a god. And they have adventures and there's kung fu and it's all, you know, from everything that I have read, it is full of many wonderful, wonderful things. I am excited to see it. And I mean, I think the first big attention that this adaptation got was this very impressive fact that it reunites not only Michelle Yeoh and Ki Hui Kwan from Everything Everywhere All at Once, but also in what I understand to be a guest appearance, Stephanie Hsu. So that's a lot of people from a very recent, very beloved movie to bring together in a new series. I am not always a graphic novel adaptation person just because I'm not necessarily a fantasy kind of world building kind of person. But I'm very excited to see what this is. Are you excited about it? Tremendously. I love this book and I love this author a great deal. And uh, this is remarkably grounded with a lot of fantasy elements in it. I think you're going to dig it. Awesome. That's American Born Chinese out May 24th on Disney+. Plus. Yep. Excellent. Glenn Weldon, give us your first pick. I'm going to keep the IP train rolling. Uh, (laughs) Blue Beetle is in theaters August 18th. This is a DC superhero movie starring a character with not a lot of name recognition. Yeah, I think I I drove a Blue Beetle. Uh, (laughs) I once found a Blue Beetle in my blueberry, which is terrifying. I hope you're having fun. (laughs) Um, Look. This could be like the first Shazam movie, or it could be Black Adam, or like the second Shazam movie. Uh, it's a crapshoot, by my count. Believe it or not, there have been three superheroes named Blue Beetle in comics over the years, which is odd, because it's not a name that strikes terror into the hearts of criminals, <laughs> unless they're squeamish about bugs. But this is the latest. It was introduced in 2006. It's about a Mexican-American kid named Jaime Reyes. He finds this scarab, which is actually a piece of extraterrestrial military tech that fuses to his spine, and whenever his life is in danger, It gives him this big tactical exoskeleton with all kinds of weapons and powers that he has to learn to control and look. It's not the premise that is getting me excited here, because the premise 
is basically Venom, right? It's basically also <laughs> the spider suit that Peter Parker had in the Tom Holland movies. And also some body horror thrown into the mix with the whole fusing to his spine. Sure. Oh, so like sure. the fly. Exactly. <laughs> but the trailer captures a lot of what made this character so good, which is how much he cares about his family. And the, the family is very central to the trailer. The film is directed by Angel Manuel Soto, who did Charm City Kings, which is a film that came out in 2020. It stars Sholo Marijuana as Jaime, and that kid's been around a lot, Cobra Kai and Parenthood. It was originally intended to be an HBO Max exclusive. Hmm. Is that a good sign or a the, bad sign? The fact that they're putting it out in theaters would seem like a good sign. The fact that they're putting it out in theaters August 18th. Yeah, we'll Sometimes see. that's a dumping ground. I mean, what happened was this whole notion of we'll do HBO Max exclusive DC movies right, kind of got right, scuttled. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And so this is in that mix. Who knows? My only question is this. Based on my prior experience with Blue Beetles. Uh-huh. Has have large parts of him been sprayed with red rust only? Okay, mm. all right. <laughs> have your fun, you. People. <laughs> Was John Lennon a blue beetle? He seemed blue a lot. Oh my god! Oh my god. <laughs> Coming from the makers of Blue Beetle Punch Buggy. <laughs> now that is a movie that I would watch. Can you imagine? All right, so that is Blue Beetle in theaters August 18th. Well, I am going to keep the IP train rolling. Chug it, For one more pick. There are several different ways to smash a bunch of intellectual property together mm-hmm. and call it a movie. You can do it the Space Jam Legacy way, nah. the Super Mario Brothers movie way, yeah. where you just kind of throw a bunch of references on the screen and that's good enough to make the Super Mario Brothers movie a billion dollars, or you can do it the Who Framed Roger Rabbit way. You can do it the Lego movie way, as we discussed in the earlier segment. We can do it the Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves way. We can do it the Chippendale Rescue Rangers way, and we can do it the Into the Spider-Verse way. There we go. Mm, Yes. Into the Spider-Verse may be the best Spider-Man movie. I mean, I'm not going to argue with that. Yeah, I would agree. And three years before Spider-Man No Way Home brought a whole bunch of different Spider-Men together, Into the Spider-Verse did more or less the same thing, but including things like Peter Porker. Exactly. spider <laughs> And did so in an enormously inventive, funny, creatively animated way. Like, you could watch that movie and squint at some of the choices made in the way they animated it. Things like the noir Spider-Man mm-hmm. is is not only black and white, but he's in stipple. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think is so funny and mm-hmm. clever and thoughtful. Everything is putting more thought into it than it probably needed, but yep. in the best possible way. Great. Well, on June 2nd, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, a sequel to Into the Spider-Verse, is coming out, and I am extraordinarily excited about it. The plan, apparently, is to visit these different Spider-Man alternate universes, which my history with Marvel's multiverse stuff tends to consist of me sitting there with my arms folded trying to figure out who's with what. Sure. But I trust... These people. I trust Phil Lord, Chris Miller, David Callahan to do this in a way that I will be able to follow uh-huh. and that I will delight in as much as I delighted in Into the Spider-Verse, which is just so fantastic. Yeah, and the trailer features a giant kind of multiverse of spider beings. And yet the first trailer that was released, I think, was really focusing on him on a rooftop. On talking. Miles Morales. Yeah, on Miles Morales on a rooftop talking to his mom like you're growing up. And like, that's the thing, right? That heart is what separates Spider-Man from a lot of other characters. And so, I, yeah, I'm, I'm in, fully in. Me 
too, and I don't even care about superheroes, <laughs> generally speaking, but you're right. Into the Spider-Verse was so good, and I, I'm excited. So that is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse uh-huh. out in theaters June 2nd. I am so excited. Aisha Harris, give us your second pick. Well, fare thee well, IP land. You're okay. leaving it. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> so, yeah, my next pick is I'm a Virgo. Mm-hmm. It was created by Boots Riley, and he's a co-showrunner with Z Chun. And I have four words for why I am so excited about this. Sorry to bother mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. That was Boots Riley's debut feature. It came out a few years ago, starred Lakeith Stanfield. And it actually made our black film canon. It's, to me, one of the best films of the last decade or so. And I'm really excited for this because he is such a visual and weird filmmaker where you don't know where he is going to be going with whatever (laughs) the story that he's telling you. And this one seems just as weird and just as interesting. So this is a series and it's coming on Prime Video. It stars Gerald Jerome, who plays Cootie, who is a 13 foot tall black man who goes on adventures because per the trailer, he's a Virgo and Virgos love adventure. (laughs) (laughs) So Gerald Jerome is One of the more interesting actors we've had over the last few years, he won an Emmy for Ava DuVernay's When They See Us, where he starred as Corey Wise, one of the exonerated five in the Central Park jogger case, and he was fantastic. But most viewers probably recognize him from uh, one of his earlier roles, which is playing Kevin in Moonlight, uh, a teenage Kevin in Moonlight. And so to see him get a role like this, to be working with Boots Riley, I'm just really excited to see what happens. There's like not a lot of plot that's been revealed yet, uh, although it has screened at a couple of different festivals. But it sounds like his family is attempting to shield him from the world out of fear of how it will treat him. But he, like, kind of breaks out and he discovers, you know, classic sort of fairy tale coming-of-age kind of story. It actually kind of reminds me of Frozen, where they're like, hide, <laughs> hide, your, hide your, you know, weird quirk. Yeah, exactly. um, and it also features Mike Epps, Carmen Ejogo, and Walton Goggins. So I'm very excited for this. So that's I'm a Virgo. It's streaming on Amazon Prime Video later this summer. And we should also just note that Amazon supports NPR and pays to distribute some of our content. All right, Glenn, hit us with your second pick. Uh, We're back in IP, but it's uh, public (laughs) domain IP. Uh, (laughs) uh, The Last Voyage of the Demeter is a horror film coming out in theaters August 11th. More specifically, it is a Dracula film. But it is a Dracula film that I know for a fact was sold in the room because the pitch of this thing is so good. It's such a smart way to take a property that has been done to death, Mm -hmm. undone to undeath, and find a new way into it. You carve off just a sliver of the story, right? So that's the same way that biopics work best when it's like an event or a day in the life. It's as opposed to doing the – trying to dramatize the Wikipedia page. So Dracula by Bram Stoker is – an epistolary novel, which means it is composed of letters and diary entries. Uh, one chapter is called The Captain's Log, and it's exactly that. The Demeter is this Russian shipping vessel that Count Dracula hires to take a bunch of boxes from Transylvania to England. And it turns out, unbeknownst to the captain and crew of the Demeter, that those boxes contain the coffin of Dracula that he's sleeping in and a bunch of earth from his native country for vampire reasons. (laughs) So as this chapter unfolds, the captain keeps account of what's happening and, you know, it's sailing across the way and his crew is, is getting picked off one by one. It is my favorite chapter of the book because the problem with epistolary novels and with Dracula is that it's somebody's writing a letter about this horrible thing they experienced you kind of know they survived the horrible thing they experienced. <laughs> this is a captain's log that just ends abruptly when the ship 
washes ashore in England. To make a movie out of that means we're going to get shipboard claustrophobic mystery. Uh, it is directed by the Norwegian director Andre Overdal, who directed a film I liked back in 2010 called Troll Hunter. It stars Corey Hawkins, who's having a moment. Yeah. Uh, he played Dre in Straight Outta Compton. He's great. Uh, it also stars Liam Cunningham, who was the Onion Knight from Game of Thrones. Haven't seen him in a while. It'll be good to have him back. And from the trailer, the design of Dracula is going to be more inhuman Nosferatu as opposed to the kind of high-cheekboned, byronic hero, you know, Frank Langella kind. I, yeah. I like a creepy Drac more than a hot Drac. I, and also, <laughs> I agree. I also like that this is Drac um, where he doesn't have to pretend to be, you know, aristocracy to impress the English people. He can just be himself. He doesn't have to code switch. He can just be <laughs> a creepy Drac. He just can be a monster. I really like this approach. I'm looking forward to this a lot. That is The Last Voyage of the Demeter in theaters August 11th. Wonderful. Thank yeah. you, Glenn Weldon. Uh, this next pick from Linda is of tremendous interest in my household. Take us away. All right. Well, so I am picking the film adaptation of Casey McQuiston's Red, White, and Royal Blue, a novel that came out in 2019 about a romance between the son of the American president, who is a woman from Texas, and a British prince. It's your basic, like, your romance people would call this enemies to lovers. These guys meet at a at an event and they get into a thing and they don't like each other. And they're sort of told you have to promote international diplomacy by like seeming like you like each other. And gradually they fall in love. And I think Casey got a lot of attention for this book, partly because it was such a beloved queer romance at a time when, you know, people were so interested in all of the queer romance writing that was mm -hmm. coming out. But it's also like in a lot of ways a very kind of classic romance setup. I mean, writing about princes, writing about, you know, people who hate each other and then they're <laughs> sort of forced to mm -hmm. essentially make nice with each other and and like there's also because they are from different parts of the world, there's a lot of longing and there's a lot of letter writing, at least in the book. And it's just very like huh, it's, it's, it's somehow like both hot and innocent in a certain mm. way. The movie is being directed and, and was written in part by Matthew Lopez, who is a playwright who did The Inheritance. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so interesting that they went in that direction with the person to make this film. And I'm really, really interested to see how it turns out. I This is a book that is very precious to me. It's just a book that's very closely held by the people <laughs> who love it. But I'm very excited that they're doing it. It is coming to Prime Video on August 11th. I'm going to check it out. I think it's going to be beautiful people in a lovely romance. And I, I can't wait. I can't wait. Mm -hmm. Tell me if it's hot and then I will decide. <laughs> watch it. I mean, it's a hot, it's a very hot book. Hmm. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Linda Holmes. I'm going to take us out with a music pick. Uh, some of my favorite summer music of the last 10 or 15 years has been by Kesha, mm -hmm. who's brought the world TikTok. She's brought the world Raising Hell. She's brought the world uh, Woman. So many just like fun, vibrant, silly. She kind of specializes in like fine line between stupid and clever mm -hmm. in, in her approach, but is very, very smart about the way she approaches it. I'm interested in wherever she's willing to take us. And she's got an album coming out on May 19th called Gag Order. And it promises to take a hard left turn. As many people know, Kesha, for the last 
eight or nine years has been locked in legal battles with the producer, Dr. Luke. She has accused him of sexual assault and battery, as well as other offenses. He has countersued. That dispute is still, to this day, playing out in the courts. She has sought to be released from her contract with his label imprint, but she hasn't been able to do that. So the title gag order certainly suggests a certain amount of subtext. Mm -hmm, And what has me so intrigued about this album, besides the fact that I've basically loved everything Kesha's ever done, is these first couple of singles that they've dropped, which suggest a really like a dark left turn. They're very haunting, very spare, but with real anger in them. And she's talked in interviews about wanting this album to be a vehicle for her to explore the ugly underside of her emotions. So I'm very curious about it. I don't know if it's going to be a summer yeah. like beach record, but I loved Praying, which was a, a kind of a left turn for her. And I expect to love this record too. Let's hear a little bit of the song Eat the Acid. You said don't ever eat the acid if you don't want to be changed like it changed me. You said all the edges got so jagged now everything you saw then can't be unseen. You said that the universe is magic. Just open up your eyes. The signs are waiting. So Kesha, produced by Rick Rubin, huh. is a very, very intriguing development that I I'm mean, very excited about. it's still about. like dance music. It's still party music. It's just angry party. I'm here for an angry party. <laughs> <laughs> yep, me too. I like it. Yeah. My, my life has been an angry party for say so <laughs> I'm just really happy she's, I mean, granted under not great circumstances, but I'm glad she's still able to make music mm-hmm. because there have been plenty of people in the industry who have had their careers completely sidelined mm-hmm. because yeah. of alleged abuse. So it's nice that she's at least able to do this sort of subtweeting <laughs> album. <laughs> yeah, that's a good pick. I'm excited to check it out. I am really excited about this one, too. That's Gag Order from Kesha. That's out May 19th. We want to know what you are looking forward to watching, reading, listening to this summer. Find us at facebook.com slash PCHH. Up next, what is making us happy this week? This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu with Black Twitter, a people's history from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Directed by Prentice Penny, Black Twitter, a people's history tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society and politics. Black Twitter, A People's History, premieres May 9th, streaming on Hulu. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing. Visit your local REI co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways to opt outside. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with their original podcast, Choiceology. Choiceology is a show about the psychology and economics behind people's decisions. Download the latest episode and subscribe at schwab.com podcast. This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive, and it's Name Your Price Tool. Say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show coverage options within your budget. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
what does it mean to be Black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, you'll hear it means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. Now it's time for our favorite segment of this week and every week. What is making us happy this week? Aisha Harris, what's making you happy this week, buddy? What is one thing we all really want to avoid ever having to do, but we still have to do it anyway? Jury duty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but where this is going. one thing that we should not avoid, also jury duty, but it is jury duty, the TV series on Amazon Freebie. Now, Freebie. <laughs> Freebie. Explain Freebie to me. <laughs> I think it's kind of like Tubi, but on Amazon. Uh, so <laughs> shows and, and movies, but there are uh, ads involved, basically. So Jury Duty is a uh, <laughs> reality TV series. We have a, a man named Ronald Gladden, who is juror number six, participating in a trial. Uh, that is just the most bizarre trial. I won't even try to explain what is happening here. But he is the only person in this entire setup who does not realize this is all fake. Everyone around him are actors, improvisational actors, comedic actors, character actors you might be familiar with from various other shows. And then there's also James Marsden, who is playing himself. And what I love about the show is that, A, even though he is not in on the joke, the show never punches down. It doesn't mm. really make him the butt of the joke. Yep. He's just reacting to all of the bizarre things that are happening, including in one episode, they go on a field trip at Margaritaville. <laughs> and they have lots of drinks. And at the end of the night, the bill is stupid high. And while Marsden is in the bathroom, everyone else agrees to ask him to pick up the tab because he is the rich, famous person. I tell you what, I'll pick up this bill. If someone beats me in arm wrestling, what do you think about that? What? For real? Yeah. It turns into just this weird, chaotic moment. What I love about the show also is just the way that all of the other actors are able to really play off of him. And uh, the, the show ends on a happy note. He is a very game person, even though he has no idea what's happening. And he has just like an affable quality to him. So that is Jury Duty. It is on Amazon Freebie. <laughs> and it is absolutely worth checking out. The whole series is now available to stream. Now, I should state NPR's official policy that jury duty is a tremendous civic responsibility <laughs> and that no one should try to get out of it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Aisha Harris. Glenn Weldon, what's making you happy this week? The Other Two is back. Yes, yes, yes. Season three is streaming on HBO Max and hasn't missed a beat. Uh, this show is a PCHH favorite. It stars Drew Tarver and Helena York as two entertainment industry strivers who keep getting overshadowed by the younger brother. In season three, they finally achieved uh, some success, and it is screwing them up in entirely new ways, which is a <laughs> lot of fun. The first two seasons were about how desperately seeking fame and fortune causes you to do a lot of very humiliating things. This season is about how trying to cling to success and always seeking more and more acclaim and... <laughs> And support can turn you into a monster. It is by far the darkest season yet, and mm. uh, it leans hard into the surreal in a lot of very fun ways. But it knows exactly what it's doing from the jump, and it's got such great jokes. And in the seven episodes made available to the press, it's still got that heart that makes all that darkness kind of go down mm -hmm. easy. The other two, season three on HBO Max. Yeah. I love this show. It's so good. So, <laughs> so good. much. Thank you, Glenn. Linda Holmes, what's making you happy this week? 
Well, I went back and forth about a number of things, but uh, boy, do I love a good uh, bit of nerd content that brings out the nerd in me and in others. I have been very much enjoying a well-known, I am far, far from the discoverer of this, very well-known and well-thought-of YouTube series called Every Frame of Painting, which Mm. is about filmmaking, and it's about form, and it's sort of about how things are shot. Each little video essay has a particular, like, topic that it covers. These are mostly several years old, and I am the kind of person where what I relate to the most in movies and TV tends to be the writing. Uh So it is always good for me to kind of continually spark myself to focus more on on form because I don't always because of my fascination with writing. So I always appreciate good opportunities to sort of get a basic grounding in technique and stuff like that. Even if I've heard a lot of this stuff before, putting it back in my head is always good for me. And I really appreciate it. So this is the video essay series, Every Frame a Painting, which you can find on YouTube. And that is what is making me extremely happy this week. Wonderful. Thank you, Linda Holmes. Speaking of things that have been around for a couple of years and speaking of wonderful television that I've been watching in the run-up to a new season of The Other Two, kind of to fill the yawning gap in my life, I finally caught up with Rutherford Falls on Peacock. Just immediately mainlined all 18 episodes, sadly the only 18 episodes that Mm. will exist of this really lovely show. For those who don't know, uh, it's set in a fictional small town in New York. It stars Ed Helms and Janice Meeting. It kind of captures the divide in this town between the white descendants of the founders of the town and the native population, including the casino run by the wonderful Michael Greyeyes, who is so great on this show. I think it takes a little while to get its feet under it. I think it takes a while for it to get as funny as it needs to be, but it is such a a charming show filled with charming performances. Actors I will be looking for in other projects. Ed Helms is always his uh, marvelous, goofy self. And I just, I really, really got a kick out of this show. And I do highly recommend it if you didn't get a chance to kind of catch it when people were talking about it. So that is what is making me happy this week. That brings us to the end of our show. Aisha Harris, Glenn Weldon, Linda Holmes. Thanks so much for being here all in the same room. Yay! Yay. Oh, you knuckleheads. We want to take a moment to thank our Pop Culture Happy Hour Plus subscribers. We appreciate you so much for showing your support of NPR. If you haven't signed up yet, want to show your support and listen to the show without any sponsor breaks, head over to plus.npr.org slash happy hour or visit the link in our show notes. This episode was produced by Mike Katzif and edited by Jessica Reedy. Hello Come In provides our theme music. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Stephen Thompson, and we will see you all next week. Non-NPR plus people stuck with a freebie version. (laughs) (laughs) Freebie! (laughs) This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR.
This election season, you can expect to hear a lot of news, some of it meaningful, much of it not. Give the Up First podcast 15 minutes, sometimes a little less, and we'll help you sort it out what's going on around the world and at home. Three stories, 15 minutes, Up First every day. Listen every morning wherever you get your podcasts.